Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Kitubot, daf Lamed, page 30. So I want to talk about, we're kind of, I don't know, a third or something like that, down of the way of Ahmed Aleph. And the Gemara is talking about the Mishnah. The Gemara is talking about the Mishnah where it says that a man who has relations with his sister must pay the fine, right? This is, this is, this was a discussion of you know what happens when there's arayot and if there's any kind of knas, any kind of fine that would have to be paid to the family. So the Gemara says this is la'apuke to exclude the opinion of midivrei nechunya benakana to exclude his opinion. Now we have to find out what his opinion is that 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 position in the Mishnah is going to exclude it. Tanya, Rabbi nechunya benakana haya ose et yom hakipurim kishabat letashlumin. So I'll explain the I'll translate it in a moment, but I just want to refresh everybody's memory that we had said that this um we'll call it this halachic double jeopardy, which is not exactly double jeopardy, but the idea that somebody cannot be held culpable in terms of punishment for the same if the same act violates two things at the same time, right? So that's and we talked about this a long, long time ago with the with the Talmudic phrase that the person would get the the worst of the two, right? The stronger of the two, really not worse. Um, so here, Nechunya Benakana talks about he says Yom Kippur is like Shabbat once it comes to paying for damages. Meaning, if you just as somebody here, I'm going to Ma Shabbat the same way that somebody who desecrates Shabbat. Now, when the Gemara is talking here, it's talking about somebody who violate Shabbat with intent and there's witnesses and there's um, the witnesses give warning and say, you know, you're going to be put to death if you do this violation of Shabbat intentionally, right? Meaning there's a whole lot of pieces to put into the puzzle to make sure that the desecration of Shabbat here is fully intentional and therefore, you know, punishable. But in that event, just as the person who would um, be liable for the death penalty, if he if he intentionally desecrates Shabbat. And therefore, what happens, that same person is going to be exempt from patur min is exempt from paying any damages, right? Any, what is that? Like it's civil law, right? Like it's paying compensatory anything is a much lesser kind of exactment from the perpetrator as compared to the death penalty. You know, I think that's pretty clear. So Rav Nechunya Barakana is the one who says that the same way that on Shabbat, if you did something that would incur the death penalty, and at the same time, you also, um, you know, were liable for damages. Let's say you broke a malacha that gets you a death penalty at, while in the same act you damage someone else's property, for example. So too, according to according to him, so too, if you intentionally desecrate Yom Kippur, then you're liable, and like, again, where you're going to be liable for the death penalty, you also would be exempt from paying damages from at that same time of the desecration of Jim Kipper. So, of course, the good question here is, um, you know, what does this have to do with the Mishnah? And about, you know, we're talking about Arai relationships. This seems very, very far removed. So the first question the Gemara wants to know is, what is the rationale of Nechunya Benekana? Meaning, why does he, why is he putting these cases together? Why is he talking about it at all? Now, we've talked about it outside, so it's a familiar, easy kind of concept. But, it, you know, from the beginning, it wasn't. My time of the Rebbe Yochud Amar Abaye, Amar Ason Bidei Adam, and Amar Ason Bidei Shemayim. 
ma asun hamor bidei adam patur min tashlumin af asun hamor bidei bidei shemaim patur min tashlumin. So Abaye comes and says that this why how, what's the rationale? Meaning, how is it that Rav Nachman Benakana puts these two issues together? The exemption from the tashlumin because of the greater sin that's going to be punished with a death penalty. And Abaye says that it's because there are verses. And one is in Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus, and one is in Genesis, where it says explicitly this word ason, ason meaning, let's say, harm or travesty, something like that. And the fact that those two words appear in these two, the same word appears in two different places, um, then comes to teach that the same that the same way that one could do harm in a lesser way, one could do harm and require punishment in the greater way. It's an interesting kind of drasha. I don't think that it's intuitive, put it that way. Um, and then, but then the Gemara goes on to talk about all kinds of other things that are inherently interesting, but not really answering this question about Rav Nuchunya Benakana. So then the Rava answers Abaye. Now I'm on Amud Bed, and you're Dan. I'm going to turn it over to you in a moment. Rava Amar Tamad Rav Nuchunya Benakana Mehacha Veihim Alem Yalimu Am Haaretz Ete Nehem Mina Isha Hu Betito Mizar Ola Molech Vesamti Ani Et Panai Ba Isha Hu. So there's this whole long case, right, which is a verse from Vayikra, from the book of Leviticus, which is, you know, if all the people of the land hide their eyes from this person who has done, and it's referring to a case where a person does a Vodazara, he offers his children to Molech, so he is then culpable, he should be stoned, he's, you know, to be put to death for his idolatry. And if so, right, then it says that God says, God says he's going to, Set his face against that person and the person's family, and um, and he will be cut off. So the same way, so Rava has a different way of arriving at this conclusion that the same way that you could end up with the same action that incurs two different penalties, one much more severe than the other, you're only gonna have you're gonna be exempt from the lesser and more, you know, and and get the punishment of the of the more stringent. So the Gemara then goes on to talk about what's the difference between Abaya and Rava in interpreting the Chunya Benakana, but we're going to stop here. Yudin, I'm handing it over to you. Right. So, you know, first of all, I think this whole, uh, you know, way that they learned this, that Rava bringing this whole opinion from Molech is very, very interesting. And I think the Torah, I guess what I'm struck by is there tends to be sort of like overlapping punishments. Does that make sense, Anne? Like, you can do one act and it can cause lots of different punishments. Except for you won't get lots of different punishments. That's right, you a... only can get one. So it's basically figuring out a system of like, which one do you get? Because you can't incur more than one. Uh, now, within this machlokas <coughs> between Rav and Abaye, right? So, uh, you know, the Gemara goes on to basically say, my Eka bin Rav Abaye. What's the difference here, right? Eka bin Nayu Zarsha Chal Truma so it says that the difference would be in a case of a non-priest, okay? <coughs> uh, a czar who intentionally decides to eat truma. According to Abaye, he's exempt from paying the priest the value of truma, right? Because really, he would get you get kares. A czar gets kares. A, a non-priest who eats uh, truma gets kares. So therefore, if he stole this truma from a priest, he's not going to pay that penalty because basically you know, the, the, the getting curries is really the higher one. And according to Rava, who, you know, learns this whole thing out of Molech, comparing uh, 
carried and debt to the hands of man, since a non-priest who eats truma doesn't get, uh, who eats truma, he doesn't actually get carried, he actually uh, is high to actually pay the priest for the truma he ate. Okay? So that's the setup here. And so then the Gemara basically wants to ask, would Abai actually really say that a non-priest, right, the czar, actually is exempt from, from the payment of uh, truma itself? Um, and so they go through sort of a very detailed explanation here about um, about eating truma. I'm a Rafista, right? So Rafista said, didn't Rafista say, Moza Rabbi Nechunya ben Akana, right? Rabbi Nechunya ben Akana agrees, Begonev chabol shachavero vachlo. Somebody who eats another person's forbidden fat, he steals it and he eats it, right? Basically, he's going to be chayav to pay for the fat, even though he has to get curry. Shehu chayav, right? That's what he's chayav. Shekavar nitz chayav b'geniva kodem shabali lidei isra chalev. Here we get a different interesting principle, which we'll get discussed more tomorrow, which is if within one full action you incur multiple punishments, but if part of the action incurred one punishment earlier, that's the punishment that you get. And sort of like once that punishment comes, you can't get another punishment later. So in this case, with somebody who stole forbidden fat, you get the punishment for stealing before you ate the forbidden fat itself. Alma demi kanaya, right? Apparently from the moment he lifts the fat to steal it, kanaya, he acquires it. Right? But so he has to pay for the fact that he stole it, but he only gets the death penalty when he actually eats it. Right? So in other words, the point is he gets the punishment for stealing before he gets the punishment for eating it. Hachanami here also, in this case of a non-priest who eats truma, the Idana Dagbai, when he lifts it up, the truma, Kanai, he acquired the truma, he stole the truma. So he doesn't get the, he, he doesn't, you know, incur uh, the death penalty until he actually eats it. So maybe he actually just has to pay for stealing the truma and doesn't get the death penalty. So we're saying, so what's the case that we're dealing with here? In a case where he put the truma, where somebody else puts the truma in his mouth. So in other words, he acquires and eats the truma simultaneously. That's the special case that we're talking about. So once he chews the truma, the Gemara wants to ask, he acquires it and he has to pay. But maybe he's not chayav with eating truma until he actually swallows it. In other words, chewing is not an act of eating. So even if somebody puts the truma in his mouth, he's not chayav, he, he's chayav for stealing it once it's in his mouth, but he's not chayav for eating it, this non-priest, until he actually swallows it. So then the Gemara says that it's where it got inserted into the pharynx. Now, again, I don't know that this is a real case, but they're really trying to tease out is, What's the act of eating versus what's the act of owning? And can you create an act of eating and owning that occurs at the same time? So now they're trying to say, okay, you put it as far down as past the point of swallowing. Hey, Hadami, how would this be possible? Right? If it's possible to sort of retrieve or get the truma by, by removing it without eat, ruining it, let him retrieve it. Okay? So in other words, you you and and what does that mean? Ela mati lahadura 
Amai Fayad. But if it's not possible to retrieve the truma, why is he liable? In other words, he didn't do anything. Somebody just put truma in his mouth. They just put it in his throat. But the idea is if you could take the truma out, right, maybe it has a different status. You could actually retrieve it. So it's necessary only in a situation where it's possible to retrieve the truma, like under under great duress. In other words, it would take great effort to retrieve the truma. Then Rapapa comes with even a more interesting case. It's a case where somebody put liquid truma in his mouth. Because as soon as liquid goes in, it's ruined. In other words, even if his friend put food of truma in his mouth, there's a possibility that you could take the truma out. So he sort of, it's not clear that he totally like, he, it's, it's possible he didn't necessarily have to steal it right away. But once you put liquid in, there's no way you can take it out. So the acquisition, right, the Kenyan of the truma and the eating it absolutely happens at the same time. But if you stuffed food in somebody's mouth, Technically, maybe you didn't acquire it at the same time because you could still take it out and you certainly didn't necessarily eat it or enjoy it, okay? So this, I think, is interesting because it's sort of making a distinction between how salads and liquids are eaten. And then finally, it's referring to a case to a non-priest who eats his own truma. Let's say a non-priest inherited truma for some reason from a priest. So in this case, he didn't actually steal the truma, so there wouldn't actually be any payment but he does get the death penalty for eating truma. The karash yarin shel chavero. And at the same time, he tore another's silk. In other words, the question here is, is that he ruined somebody's property exactly at the same time as he ate this truma that he couldn't eat because he's an on-coin. And so the question is, which punishment does he get? He doesn't necessarily have to pay this person for the damage. So a great passage. I think it's one of these passages in the Gemara I don't know that these are real cases, but I think what they're really trying to figure out here is how do things get acquired, right? What's the actual act of Kenyan? What's the actual act of eating? And can you create something where you eat and, sorry, when you acquire and eat exactly at the same moment? I happen to think that this point about the liquid truma is really interesting because we have been talking now for a very long time and quite often about truma and, you know, collecting it from the threshing floor and everything like that. And I'm not sure that I would have intuitively said that you could actually have liquid truma per se, meaning I would think you would have to, I don't know. I don't know what I would think. It's interesting to recognize the scope of these halachot. Yeah. So, you know, again, I think uh, it's just good to see sort of like how they really go step by step to sort of work this whole case out, you know? Um, and again, it, it's definitely, this is a Gemara passage. Like it's a classic Gemara passage, but a great one. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Barber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.